it's a glorious reality that we can count him as a friend. As I said, friend is a covenant term. It's not just that he's your buddy, he's your pal. Um, and a lot of people treat the Lord like that. But friend means it's a covenant term. And what it means is he is forever covenanted to be on our side. God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Now we're in Revelation chapter 1. Or we, we had a reading there. And I just want us to pick out a couple of verses. And just want to say, it starts here, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people read the book of Revelation, and it's not Jesus that they're looking for. They're looking for the Antichrist, and the false prophet, and, and uh, mystery Babylon, and all these things. And they read a lot of stuff that's going on in the world into that. But the book was not written to reveal those things. As such, it was written to reveal Jesus Christ, that word revelation is apocalypsis in the Greek, which from which we get the word apocalypse. And we've given a meaning to the word apocalypse that it, that it doesn't have originally, which is, you know, whoa, the apocalypse, whoa, you know, the end of the world, all that stuff. But it simply means an, an, a revealing or an unveiling, a peeling back of a screen to show what's really happening. And John, of course, was taken into the the heavenly realm, or the spirit realm, really, and shown things because we see things uh, on the media, on our phones, on the Daily Mail and stuff like that, and we, we hear about world events and we think, what's going on? We always ask that, don't we? What's going on? But Revelation tells us what's going on because it peels back to show us what's going on in the spirit realm that is making things on the earth the way they are. So if you want to find out what's going on, this is the book. It's not the Express, it's not the Daily Record. This is the eternal record of God's will and purpose. And you will find out what's going on in the earth when you read it. We, we spoke about that uh, yesterday. Uh, why do the nations raise and the people get involved in futility? Because the kings of the earth and their rulers, i.e. governmental powers, are rebelling against the kingdom of God, against God and his son, and you as the church, as us, okay? So much of what's going on is targeting Christians, targeting the church. That's why there's so much uh, tumult among the nations. And you know, you see a lot of these court cases, the Christian Institute, they send us the stuff all the time. The cases that they are winning right now because the governments and councils are unfairly attacking Christians. And, and you know what? The Christians are winning every time. The churches are winning every time. Destiny Church uh, recently won. So praise the Lord for that. Anyway, that's not what I really want to speak about this morning. But it says here in verse 5, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Amen? How many know that Jesus is the faithful witness? We just... He's a, what a friend we have in Jesus. And why do we rejoice in that? Because he's faithful. We might let each other down. But he'll never let you down. You'll maybe let him down, but he'll never let you down. Because he's the faithful witness. And the faithful witness simply means whatever he says, that's truth, that's reality. You can take it to the bank. Because he's faithful. And he'll never say anything to you that is manipulative or a lie. And he's the first begotten of the dead. Well, we celebrate that every single week, don't we? Every day, every second, because he is the resurrected, the risen Christ, 
We certainly celebrate it at Easter. So these are things that we know about Jesus and that are part of our relationship and experience of him. But then it says, and the prince of the kings of the earth. That word prince means ruler or governor or boss of bosses, to give it the mafia term. Okay? Um, not saying that Jesus is a mafia boss, but I'm saying he's, he is the boss. He is the ultimate governor and ruler. And it says of whom? The kings of the earth. So the very people that are opposing the church, the Bible says he is the ruler of them, he's over them, and in the structure of command, in the ranking system, Jesus is Lord. So if you have a problem with Nicola Sturgeon, and I'm sure you do, okay, or a problem with Boris Johnson or President Joe Biden or any of these world rulers, or even the woman that's, don't remember her name, that's the head of the council in Glasgow, Jesus is Lord. He's their boss. So if you have a problem with them, you might not have their mobile number. You can text them and say, oh, wait a minute, I've got a wee problem with you. You might not even have their email. And you might not want to go and try and challenge them as they come out of the council or Holyrood or Westminster because you'll end up your arm up the back. Amen? So they're not approachable and the whole system is set up that way so that you can't go and moan at them. Now, I do know people, friends, who managed to get a hold of Nicola Sturgeon twice and give her... You know, peace of her mind, and, and rightly so, because she was complaining about NHS or something. And Nicola Sturgeon was rude. That's surprising, isn't it? Not. Amen. Because these people, that's why they have bodyguards. It's not to protect them from assassination attempts, although some of them, you can understand, people would want to assassinate them. Um, hopefully nobody in this room. But it's really so they don't get grief or hassle, and so that they can have this aloofness. Okay, and we partly understand that, we're, 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 we're mocking it, but we also understand there is a security aspect. But never mind that, because that's not what's important. What's important is, as I said yesterday, who's in charge? When you go into a store and you want to return something, and the wee lassie says, or the wee guy says, oh, you can't bring that back. And you say, says who? Oh, that's our policy. And you say, what do you say? Get me the manager. Who's in charge? Because I don't want to deal with the organ grinder. No, no, I want to deal with the monkey. I don't want to deal with the monkey. I want to deal with the organ grinder. Yeah. Or I don't want to deal with the, min the minion. I want to deal with the, the boss. Right? Because that's what matters to us. That we have access to the, the one person in that shop that can make a, make a difference and, and make a decision on our behalf. Yeah? Now, it's the same thing in life. The reason the Bible tells us that Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth is because you and I don't need to get Jesus' uh, mobile number or what's the email, email for heaven. We've got access, the Bible says. We have access to the throne of grace. And we come boldly, the Bible says, for help in time of need. So if I have a problem with Nicola Sturgeon, I don't email Holyrood or try to get sit outside their constituency office. She actually lives quite near me. So I could go to her house and chat my door if I could get by the special branch or whatever it is. But I don't want to do that because 
You know you're not going to get satisfaction, but I'll tell you where you'll get satisfaction. From her boss. Amen. And that's why the Bible tells us to pray for those that are in authority. It means that we have access because God is able to either change their hearts or here's the other thing he's capable of doing, removing them and replacing them with someone who will listen to him. And you know, they found a guy in America for all his faults and weaknesses that was prepared to listen to God and listen certainly to church leaders and Christians and they did not like it. So they, they bumped him. Am I right? And I don't care, I'll say it, I don't care who falls out with me, Trump won that election and was robbed. Amen? So there you are. Um, I'll say it boldly. Don't care. And that's the problem, folks. Because, and the problem really with the Trump thing and with a lot of our dealings with government is that we don't understand that this is the primary way we deal with these things. Because Jesus is the ruler of presidents, prime ministers, kings, rulers, national leaders, civic leaders, council leaders. Jesus is Lord over them. And it's him that we have to approach and have a relationship with. And you know, that, and that's, this is the key thing I want to speak about today. Our relationship with the Lord is not as beggars. Not pleading and begging and, oh, Lord, can you do something? Because look what it says in the next verse. Let's read that verse again, verse 5. Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And that's what we've been singing about. There is a fountain. The blood of Jesus gives us access. If there was no bloodshed, we couldn't have access to him. He would still be that aloof God, uh, way up in heaven, uh, that we don't have access to, that we don't have a relationship with, that he's not our friend. Amen? But he, the Father sent Jesus so that he, he was saying in Jesus, I want to be your friend. I want to be your father. I want to be the one that shows you my love by sending my son in your stead and receiving the penalty and the punishment for sin. And he'll be your friend. And I'll be your friend. So the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they're all our friends, but legally it had to be in the basis of blood. Shed blood. Covenant blood. So that friendship is in covenant blood. You know what that means? You say, and you have people saying, I don't think God likes me very much. And you know, some people... Uh, they might be right. Amen? But it's not whether or not he likes you because God has forever covenanted to love you and like you. Amen? You might be somebody who gets up God's nose. Because you certainly get up, some of us get up each other's nose, don't we? But that doesn't matter because God has covenanted and says, even when you're not likable, I'll still love you and like you. Because he's covenanted to do so. You ever had that feeling that you've displeased God? I've had it. But I know that I have access and repentance and forgiveness through the blood of the Lamb. So anyway, but look at this next verse. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. 
To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's made us kings and priests. Okay? He's made us what Peter called a royal priesthood. A peculiar people. And, you know, when you look around this room, you see that has managed to, that, that's manifest in our midst. Peculiar people. Some of us are peculiar people, aren't we? I'm not looking at anybody. I'm not naming anybody. Amen. But, you know, it doesn't mean peculiar as in weirdo. It means peculiar as in precious. Amen. We can joke about it, but it really means precious. Each one of us is precious to him. Even in all your weakness and, well, I'm, I'm a rubbish Christian. I don't, I don't do this. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are to him. And you are peculiar, but that means precious. Unique. Okay, God's family would not be complete without you in it. Amen? Isn't that good to know? So, but he's not just said, well, you're precious to me. Sit there and, you know, he said, I'm making you a king and a priest. He has made us kings and priests. Which means we each have a function and that function, you know, let me just say this to you. The only two people, two kinds of people, that are allowed in a throne room are royalty and servants. Now you, he said, I no longer call you servants, I've called you friends. What a friend we have in Jesus. And what he's saying is, your friends can come in. Friends can go in. You know, in your house, you might have uh, a special room or a, you know, an area of your house that's just, just for, you know, it's not for uh, everybody, if that makes sense. But your friends are allowed in. And your family are allowed in. Yeah? So, he's the same. He's saying, Jesus is the ruler. He's the king. He is the Lord over all. And he, and he sits on a throne. We looked at that yesterday. He sat down. He's seated in the heavens. He sits on a throne. But it says here, we're kings and priests. So we're not going into the throne room as servants. We're going in as friends, but we're going in as royalty. You see that? Now, I, I want to say this to you. If you say, well, I, I don't think I'm a king or, or, you know, king is gender specific here. It means, you know, men and women. If you want to say kings and queens, that's fine. But if he says, I've made you one, and you say, oh, not me, I'm... I'm then you're calling God, firstly call him a liar, and secondly, you're defying his will for you. Amen. I'd rather say, I'm a king. Not a king because I'm wonderful, I'm a king because he made me a king. He made each one of us kings and priests, a royal priesthood, which means we have access to God, and we also have, this is what's so important, the ability to speak his will in the earth through preaching, proclamation, prayer, whatever it is, we release our voices to release his will. And our voices carry the authority of a royal decree because he's made us royalty. Okay, which means angels have to do our bidding, demons have to do our bidding. You know, Jesus says, in my name cast out devils. So devils have to obey. Not because 
We're so wonderful, but because his name is on our lips and his authority. It says, uh, Jesus says, uh, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And then he sent us, so send I you. Go therefore, he said, and make disciples of all the nations. Go and disciple the nations. Now, if Jesus has all authority, and he gave that authority to you and I, that means the devil has none. So we ought not let wickedness, you know, we were complaining, we are talking about that earlier on before the, the service, about some of the stuff that goes on, went on yesterday in these streets here, wickedness, rebellion, lawlessness. We ought not allow that as Christians because we can be before the throne of God and pray, intercede, but also make decrees. Jesus says, uh, whatever you bind on earth will already be bound in heaven. So do we allow things to go on in earth? Do we allow evil? Well, if we do, it's on us. It's not on God. And it's not even the devil. We allowed it. So that's why it's so important to pray, thy will be done on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no lawlessness in heaven. Amen? There's no rebellion in heaven. There's no violence in heaven. Okay. So he's made us kings and priests. And it says furthermore in Revelation chapter 5, uh, just further on, the same thing really. It just says he's made us uh, kings and priests. Because he's emphasizing this wonderful truth that we are, it says here, uh, verse 9, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. You notice this is all connected to his shedding his blood. By thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. The people of God, our destiny is to reign. And we don't wait till Jesus returns. We don't wait till, you know, some future point. That is what we're supposed to be doing right now in prayer. And that's what we're supposed you know, John Knox didn't wait. Amen. And the Covenanters, they contended with Charles II because they believed Jesus Christ must reign. And that was a the whole theme of the Reformation and indeed Covenant times and the Puritans in England. All that previous time was that we must bow the knee to King Jesus here on earth and so must earthly governments and kings. And that's what produces a godly society. So we need to be militant in our faith. You remember those old hymns? We sing them sometimes. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. You know, if, if someone's writing hymns today, it would be hide away, hide away for Jesus. Or onward Christian soldiers, marching as to what it would be backward Christian soldiers. Because we've lost that militant, aggressive, you know, just got that book recently that Catherine Booth wrote, Salvation Army, William Booth's wife, Aggressive Christianity is called. And I, I like that, aggressive Christianity. And it's not aggressive as in being obnoxious and rude. It means contending with powers of darkness for the souls of men and for the destiny of nations. Amen? Because that's our purpose. 
If we don't have that, we, we ought to be out of here. Praise the Lord. So let's look at Romans chapter 5. Just a few verses and then we'll close. Well, we've already looked at a couple of them. Uh, just a few more, two or three more. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. And it says here, just as we sort of read into it, it says, I'll just read that. If by one man's offence, that's sorry, if by one man's offence, that's Adam he's speaking about. Death reigned by one another. Adam's sin brought death upon the human race. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. And some versions say shall reign as kings in life. Jesus didn't come that we would be beggars and mendicants. He came that we would be kings reigning in the earth on his behalf. Paul reigned. Even although he was shipwrecked, stoned, he still had that victory in him that overcomes the world. The faith, God's, the faith of God in you will cause you to be an overcomer and cause you to reign in life. God doesn't want you to be the devil's punch bag or the offscouring of society or you're just one of those mad, weird people, Christians. Well, they can think that. But you'll still be standing when they all fall. Thousands will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. But it won't even come near you. If these scriptures get in here and take root and grow in you, and you understand, I am called to reign, not arrogance, not haughtiness, not I'm superior to other people. That's not what we're talking about. You know, the, the greatest king of all was the Lord Jesus. And nobody was more humble. He was meek and lowly, the Bible says. You know, that was, the, that was the source of his power. That he didn't seek to lord it over man. He says, the nations, the Gentiles, that's their model of leadership, that they lord it over men. But you must serve, be a servant leader. Be a king that shows meekness and lowliness. Meekness isn't weakness, brothers and sisters. It's the strength from which true leadership. And this world needs leadership. It needs your leadership and mine. Your community where you live needs leadership. Amen. It needs you to show forth who you really are. Now, just going to close with this last one very, very quickly. Um, Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, and there's a little verse in there It speaks about how we have to arise, shine, the, and the glory of the Lord will come upon us. And I, I've preached this quite a bit in, in times past. Um, verse 15, because it speaks about the wealth of the nations will come to you, the glory of God will be seen, all, all these wonderful things. But sometimes it doesn't feel that these things are real. Because it looks like the opposite. We, 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 we go to church, and it's not full, and we think, there's only a handful of us at times. And as I've said before, I remember times as a younger Christian, when our churches were bigger, fuller, and there were many more of them, and the voice of Christians carried weight in society. But now, oh, they don't care about us. You know, and that's what it says here in verse 15. It says this, look, Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, Amen. 
Um, nobody, in other words, nobody's coming. We're, we're down to bare bones. So the voice, the influence, the witness, all of that seems much weaker and less influential in society. They're not listening to us believers anymore. But look what it says. The turnaround is here in the second part of this verse. I will make thee an eternal excellency, a joy of many nations. Okay? And what that really means in the Hebrew is this. I will make you eternally royal and majestic. That word excellency. It means regal and majestic. God's answer to the problems of society in Britain is that you and I learn who we are in Christ. Learn that God has made us kings and priests and he's put a majesty upon us. You can't see it maybe in the natural, but it's there. And by the way, the devil sees it. But we need to start believing in it. Not that oh, God's made us superior to other people. That's not what we're saying. But he's made us and equipped us with authority that we can lift the people around us out of darkness into his glorious light. And he's given us his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us all that we need to equip us to change Scotland from the dark place it has become through, quite frankly, an apathetic church, through encroaching powers of darkness, through all kinds of political manoeuvring and everything else. Scotland today is not a nice place to live in. Amen. Not for anybody, even those that are calling the shots. But God, the answer is always this book. It's not a political party. It's not a movement. A political movement, I mean. But it is a movement of God's people rising up and being who they're supposed to be. And that is a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation, and leading others to the king that rules over all. The Lord bless you, folks.